the exponential increase in the cost of naval vessels and problems in ensuring crewing requirements are maintained has moved many navies towards the exploration of unmanned systems and platform autonomy on the surface and below. These services, keen to increase hull numbers and harness the known and emerging capabilities of unmanned technology, have begun to turn these ambitions to a reality. However, are the scale of these ambitions and the potential challenges ahead too great to counter? Might the goal of maritime autonomy and greater manned-unmanned teaming in the naval domain be unreachable in the time frame required? Well, to explore these points, I'm delighted to introduce to the podcast Duane Fotheringham, President for Unmanned Systems at Huntington Ingalls Technical Solutions. Duane, welcome to the show. Thank you, and uh, thanks for thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Uh, now, many listeners could traditionally uh, associate Huntington Ingalls more with the build and 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 the sustainment of large surface warships for the U.S. Navy, but the company has, uh, in in the past twelve months or so, moved to acquire additional expertise in unmanned and autonomous technologies. You have the acquisition of Hydroid in early 2020, or sorry, the completion of the acquisition of Hydroid in early 2020, the breaking of ground on a new unmanned center of excellence in Q3, Q4, I think, last year. And just a few weeks ago, HII moved to acquire Spatial Integrated Systems, which specializes in autonomy. So clearly, unmanned and autonomous systems are being held up to be the next step in naval progression. Could you explain the thought process behind the acquisition of SIS and the construction of an unmanned center of excellence. Yeah, of course. And, you know, to kind of build off what you were saying there, um, yeah, I mean, Huntington Ingalls is certainly known for um, the two large shipyards where, um, you know, we build uh, all of the aircraft carriers and half the submarines for the U.S. Navy. And then uh, in Ingalls shipbuilding where we build the uh, um, large surface combatants. But there's, uh, you know, we belong to the technical solutions division um, that has diversified uh, HII into areas like defense and federal services, um, nuclear and environmental, and then we stood up the uh, unmanned systems group um, almost a year ago, uh, last last March, as part of the uh, the acquisition of uh, of Hydroid. And so, you know, that was the 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 core, along with the existing unmanned uh, technologies that uh, HII um, already had, that became part of the uh, the unmanned um, systems group. So, you know, in that nine months, we've been, uh, you know, growing that portfolio. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's obvious that uh, we see um, unmanned as being, you know, a large um, part of uh, future naval um, force structure, both here in the U.S. and internationally, because. Um, you know, as as Hydroid, we've been in the uh, unmanned business for 20 years, um, and we've been delivering, uh, um, you know, many vehicles both uh, to to um, U.S. customers and international customers. So I think this is the next logical evolution of that. Um, you know, then coming into to HII and forming this uh, this new group and starting to build that out and grow from that core that was uh, that was Hydroid. And so uh, what you saw there was. Uh, you know, later in the summer, we actually made an equity investment in uh, in Sea Machines and a, a provider of uh, um, autonomous uh, surface vessels and autonomous uh, um, technology um, as a first step there. Then uh, late in the uh, third quarter, we had the groundbreaking on the unmanned center of excellence. And so that's a, a large dedicated uh, manufacturing production um, prototyping and test site um, dedicated to uh, all things unmanned. You know, the first big push there is that we are building the hull structures for the uh, Orca um, extra large UUV in partnership with uh, with Boeing in that facility. Um, but we're, of course, looking at uh, continued growth in the in the unmanned, both in the uh, subsea and the surface. 
and then we uh, closed out the year with the uh, the acquisition of uh, SIS and their their autonomy solution, as well as a you know a significant penetration into the uh, unmanned surface vessel um, autonomy solutions, uh, and also in and overall we talk about it as being unmanned systems. Um, and SIS also brings to the table um, some experience and some uh, activity in both the ground um, and um, air robotics area. So across the board, a strong belief in the, in the future of unmanned, um, the, the role it will play and the investments necessary to uh, you know, be a leader in that field as we, as we were with Hydroid, but now to expand that field and, uh, and look to grow and uh, be a leader in this technology. Uh, navies have been telling me for as long as I've been in this job, which is a few years now, um, that, that, that the use of unmanned systems is not necessarily a new thing in, 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 in the maritime domain. They're quite some years old, decades old, not maybe quite as uh, advanced, let's say, as in the air domain. But the, the idea of using an unmanned system is not a new concept. Um, how developed has the roadmap been for HAI to increase its unmanned and autonomous capabilities? And do you think it is arriving with these kind of capabilities at the right time, or are there other uh, US-based or international rivals that might have had a head start that you've got to play catch-up, if that's the right phrase? To address the first part of that question, unmanned systems have been playing a large part um, in, uh, in, in navies for, you know, going on 20 years. Um, you know, Hydroid was originally uh, started in 2001. And you know we've delivered over 600 vehicles to to 30 countries um, during that time. So there's a large uh, use of of underwater vehicles, um, and you know those vehicles are used for everything from uh, mine countermeasures for bottom surveying, um, for gathering of of intelligence, for scientific uh, uses and and commercial uses. So I think there's already um, a lot of unmanned being used. You know, as where the market is, certainly we're seeing a dramatic increase um, right now in the uh, in the demand for 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 unmanned. Um, you can see it uh, in public publicly what's going on with the uh, with the U.S. Navy, both in their communications, um, but the number of uh, um, solicitations that they're putting out. Uh, you know, earlier this year they they put out an RFP for um, a medium uh, UUV. You know, right now they have a, an active uh, solicitation out for the uh, LDUV or the Snakehead program. Um, in 2019-20, you know, they, they started a process for small um, UUV procurements at a, at a larger scale. Uh, you saw them award the medium UUV um, earlier this year. And of course, you know, we know that the, uh, you know, the large um, USV has also been awarded. So we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, a lot of increase there. Um, and I think that we are well positioned to play in all of those areas. Uh, so certainly, you know, our roadmap involves being both a shipbuilder um, and a supplier of the autonomous technology and standing that up within HII. There's right now the, the solutions are more mature in the underwater domain, but we're seeing that maturity develop and that demand develop very quickly um, in the surface domain. Um, you know, how quickly it will come is always the question, where exactly is that knee in the curve? Um, you know, that's hard to tell. That will be driven by a lot of things. It'll be driven by, uh, by budget constraints. It will be, it will be driven by um, technology, and it will also be driven by how successful we are on some of these uh, early programs and how well they, they work. Absolutely. I mean, you've obviously, you talked about the U.S. Navy there and, and, and the role that HI is playing in developing some of the ideas for some of the platforms. I mean, um, the U.S. Navy is looking to, as I understand it, really integrate into a sort of manned, unmanned hybrid fleet in future with 
platforms like the LUSV and the MUSV very, very prominent in that. HAI, of course, is, is one of the industry teams that's been contracted to develop a proposal ahead of a, 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 a detailed design and construction contract later in the year for the LUSV. Um, although the LUSV, it's interesting, has a little bit of, seems to be resistant in terms of availability with regards to funding, but also resistance from Congress as to how you integrate a lethality module onto that platform while keeping it unmanned or autonomous. Given all this, given the desire for the Navy to acquire these platforms and integrate them into their future fleet, and the challenges of finances and maybe political resistance to some of these ideas, what's industry's take on the Navy's ambition for unmanned and autonomous technology on the surface, but also below? Well, I think that, uh, you know, technology um, often and moves um, slower than any of us would like, and some of these things take a little longer. But I do think that we're, you know, we're looking at a, at a you know, a near-term adoption of of unmanned systems uh, into the Navy at a much larger scale, and I think it becomes required in days of uh, you know smaller smaller budgets and greater needs. Um, unmanned systems are a are a force multiplier. It's a way to put uh, sensors. And uh, you know, in some cases, uh, uh, weapons into uh, into many more places all at once, and is very supportive. The Navy's um, you know public discussion about uh, distributed maritime operations um, going to uh, to more smaller um, platforms and being in more places um, at once. You know, unmanned systems become a very um, effective and affordable way. Um, to uh, to fight in contested spaces for 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 the navies. Um, so you know when you look at the the issues that you talked about around uh, you know some disagreements on uh, on the state of the technology or what it's going to take to get all of the funding. I think that that's where industry can play um, a great role in partnership uh, with our customers um, to uh, you know for experimentation demonstration. Um, prototyping and proving that the systems are um, both uh, reliable uh, and and resilient. Because in the end, um, that's what everybody's asking: is uh, you know, prove to us that they work before we make large investments. And that's uh, that's incumbent upon us uh, us to do. And I think that we're in a position with the technology that we can we can demonstrate those things. We can prove out both the reliability and the resilience of the systems to be able to do the missions that they're being asked to do. And, and then I think that those conops uh, to do that will develop over time. It's interesting you mentioned conops. I mean, I was, I was sitting in on a briefing from Captain Pete Small, who uh, heads up PMS 406 um, at the at the U.S. Navy, and he mentioned that the the process to develop the conops to integrate and operate unmanned systems in the future fleet, he described it as a bit tricky, but progress is being made. What's your thoughts on CONOPS for unmanned and autonomous solutions operating in the maritime domain? Because it's not quite as simple as a manned surface ship. No, but the, uh, the, 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 the CONOPS will get driven by the, the need. There's no one single CONOPS um, that fits all unmanned systems, just like there's no single CONOPS that fits all surface vessels you know, manned or underwater um, vehicles, uh, you know, manned or unmanned. It depends upon um, their use, you know, so there's there's CONOPS associated with uh, platforms like LUSV that are discussed uh, where they're they're meant to, uh, you know, be a force multiplier with uh, with missile tubes. Um, there's CONOPS associated with uh, uh, vehicles that can provide uh, logistic support or provide uh, sensors in um, in, in contested areas like they, they talk about with uh, 
medium USV. There's uh, there's CONOPS associated with uh, underwater vehicles that will um, you know go out and uh, map the bottom, and others that will go out and uh, you know um, gather other types of data. So really, the CONOPS is driven by the 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 use and the uh, problem set that we're that we're trying to solve. Really, you know that uh, applicability of the vehicles of that platform um, to the mission. So there's no one single set of set of, uh, set of conops, but uh, you know the vehicles have to bring there. There has to be that applicability to the problem. Um, they have to bring you know a set of uh, capabilities uh, you know that's not uh, not otherwise there, or those capabilities can be brought much less expensive, and then they have to be um, interoperable, right? So the uh, the unmanned platforms have to be able to um, work well with the uh, with the manned platforms, and so I think all of those things have to be you know considered to uh, to develop those conops, and I would say that those things are being well discussed in those uh, those circles and. Uh, that we will arrive, you know, at a, a very successful use of uh, of unmanned systems. But again, you know, go back to um, underwater vehicles that have been employed for a for you know for a long period of time. The biggest use uh, in the uh, MCM or mine countermeasures area. Um, there's very well defined and very successful conops for um, deploying underwater vehicles for for mine hunting, and we'll see that develop in the other areas. Absolutely. Um- I'm going to make a, a fairly simplistic comparison, but it's a, a nice way to yeah. start this next question. So a billion dollars in, in defense um, means different things to different services. To an Air Force, it's a squadron of fifth-generation fighters. To an Army, it's 100 or more main battle tanks. To a Navy, you might get a destroyer if you're lucky. So a simplistic comparison to make, but are unmanned systems the solution to this vicious cycle of manned naval platform cost inflation? Um, they they are part of the solution, right? And I believe that uh, um, you know they will very much be a part of that future naval force structure. Um, and you know the you know the Navy published uh, um, late last year, uh, you know Battle Force 2045, where unmanned systems uh, played a big part of that. You know that may that will change and morph over time. A, a new administration coming in may you know have uh, have differences there. But I think that the one thing that uh, you know seems to be generally agreed upon by everybody is that uh, um, unmanned systems play a part in those future structures because you can build more of them. They're less expensive. Um, manning is very expensive, um, and in in many cases they can be attributable. So they can. Uh, you know, they don't have the same, all of the same concerns that require, you know, a much more costly manned platform in an unmanned platform. Um, they can, they can be small. They can also be large, but uh, that ability to remove people out of the, the equation, put them into those more, perhaps more dangerous or dull um, places where you don't need, um, you know, 100 or 200 or 300 people operating a ship and uh, making, uh, making those decisions you know, freeze those manned platforms up to do the things that only manned platforms can do. You sort of preempted my penultimate question here. So I, I, was, I, was, I was going to ask about where you see unmanned systems being best suited. Are they best suited to that niche area, the dull, dirty and dangerous roles like mine countermeasure operations? Or do you see them being able potentially to operate in that manned, unmanned teaming role where you need quantity as well as quality to counter movements or operations or aspirations by potential rivals, let's say China. Yeah. So I mean, I think that the you know the answer and it's a the easy answer out is it's both, right? So there are times that uh, you know we're going to send unmanned systems off 
by themselves to do that, uh, um, you know, dull, dirty, or persistent uh, mission. And it could be, um, you know, uh, you know, gathering uh, gathering information, uh, mapping the seafloor, you know, some some sort of uh, uh, battle space uh, preparation. But it can also be in a very collaborative con ops with uh, with man platforms, and that's where you know the interoperability of the of the systems um, is is key. Um, we want large numbers of unmanned systems to be able to uh, to play together. Um, and then they have to be able to uh, to play together with uh, manned platforms. And they have to be able to communicate. Um, and that, you know, really brings us to one of the, you know, the things that, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, and that's, uh, you know, the the open architecture aspects of the uh, of the unmanned platforms, um, because that allows them to be to be upgraded. So, you know, that uh, that open architecture, and we see very much a push um, from the from the U.S. Navy and from other navies on uh, on open architecture systems, and I think that those are that is key to making those things happen. And that's something that we've you know fully embraced on our side, and all of our our new platforms are built to uh, open architecture standards. I mean, we've outlined during the course of this conversation the activities of HAI over the previous twelve months in in, in the acquisitions and developments of uh, additional unmanned and autonomous capabilities. We've talked about U.S. Navy and general concepts about maritime, unmanned maritime operations. I want to bring it back down to HII. Obviously, it's done an awful lot of work over, over the past 12 months, as we've outlined. What's the next 12 months going to be about? What, is, what, what sort of targets is it setting itself in terms of developing new concepts, getting your platforms into additional customers? Yeah, so we, you know, we're always looking to grow into these areas and, and um you know, obviously, with the uh, with the acquisition of uh, of SIS and the other pieces, um, you know, we you see us moving, uh, um, you know, more and more into the unmanned uh, uh, surface vessels. But a lot of the next twelve months will be about uh, you know taking all of these uh, these pieces that we've now we have with the underwater vehicle solutions, the surface vessel, um, a large um, autonomy um, solution that's the combination of uh, the, the Remus technology platform and SIS and uh, developing a common architecture for uh, for our autonomy and improving that and getting the uh, the COE um, open. We opened the first phase late in the year. Um, that was about you know 22,000 square foot building and we're starting to do fabrication in there now. But uh, you know middle or to second half of next year we'll open up the full um, COE and start uh, start moving in there. So you know we talked about before a lot of opportunities out there that uh, present themselves. So we'll be uh, you know we'll be looking at all of those and uh, and hoping to be successful. Good luck. All the best for that. On that note, we'll have to leave it there. Dwayne Fotheringham, President for Unmanned Systems at Huntington Ingalls Technical Solutions. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you.